Today's Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew D., and with me, co-host, Dwayne Lindsay. What's up, bud? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm getting to play X-Wing, which is great. I am enjoying that and spending some time with people, and so that's good. Next is... Uh, I mean, we did. We got together and played some X-Wing over the weekend. So, I, I mean, I would like to get out to a full-fledged uh, tournament with like 16-plus people kind of deal, but just got to find them. Uh, <laughs> speaking of community stuff and event stuff, why don't you give the people a little bit of lowdown on the hoedown in regards to community things that are going on before we get into what we got going on today? Sure, I'll just do a little wrap-up of what's been going on since the last time uh, we casted. We had uh, an extended store championship in St. Catharines run by our very own Timbo Slice. It was a 16-player event where people brought out their best jank extended lists. And uh, it was a fun time. It was good. Uh, our very own uh, Star Wars game in Durham... Uh, alumni ben won it and got his ticket to worlds which is pretty cool good to see who grabbed it ben ben yeah our ben why, <laughs> why, why is my why is my why is the name ben not ringing in my ears right now what what ben why am i forgetting oh wait ben ben g yeah ben g oh yeah, i think that's probably why is because i never refer to him as ben uh, i refer to him always as benji <laughs> oh man congratulations dude i wish i knew because he was there on this weekend and i could congratulate him then as well but that's incredible go yeah. benji way that, to go that was the first official store champ that was running an extended uh, event so it was kind of cool to see uh it was a fun time. I got to get, uh, there was a lot of scum for that tournament. Uh, but uh, Ben's been playing, I think, in the Nickel City League lot. So he's been getting in lots of reps and he was flying resistance. And yeah, he did really well. He did not fly an extended list, but uh, yeah, congrats for him. And uh, then after that, our next big event was. Whoa, whoa, the... hold on, hold oh, on. Sorry. I got to quickly ask before we get into something else. Were there just a lot of standard lists? Or were there some extended pieces that really stood out? So all the scum uh, people all had like a few extended like Star Vipers. There's a lot of Star Vipers on the board. So half the people basically had a, at least one extended ship in their list. Uh, Drew, you know, from the Hamilton Brantford area there, he was running the... Well, what is it? That, what's the extended first order ship? The Epsilon, is it? The, Correct, yeah, uh, the Epsilon, the, yeah. Yeah, he ran a three Epsilon list. <laughs> Ooh, was that any good? Uh, he was like middle of the pack. It's hard. It's a, it's a hard list so no. to fly. It, <laughs> it, it, it hits hard, but you can just fly around the whole list. I actually went up against it. I was a little unsure of what to do at first, but basically you just fly around it. <laughs> Yeah, flying at it just hurt. That's not so nice. But yeah, flying around it, there's so many arcs to... I mean, there's not too many arcs. You just get on the other side and then bam. Yeah. So, and then after that, the next big event, the last big event we had was the St. Lawrence Open, our world qualifier in Montreal. Uh, I think there was about 50 people that went. I went... Uh, unfortunately, I had a very poor showing with uh, two wins, three losses, as a few of my uh, cohorts <laughs> did the same. But uh, we did end up with Mr. Cam Murray taking the first spot and getting the free ride to Worlds. And uh, our good pal Brendan uh, Conrad Osmond Damon, he came in second, so he couldn't retain his title this year, but uh, it was a good showing. Uh, even our very own uh, Mark Anderson, he made the cut, but uh, he lost his first match on the, which you can see on the Gold Squadron podcast stream. Oh man, that's so incredible! Awesome job on all those guys. I wish I could have been there, hundred percent. But I'm so happy everyone had such a great time. Next year, next year, because that yeah. event is just. It's really kind of being uh, becoming an annual thing where it's just such a nice time to get out there. And Montreal is a beautiful city, so. 
Yeah, we all uh, we stayed at the same hotels we did last year. Uh, pretty much everybody from Ontario stayed there. Uh, my honey came with me, and uh, she kind of explored the city while I played X-Wing. And they split it up, so it was only X-Wing and Legion going on our weekend, and then the other two events were going on the weekend before. The, uh, I think it was Armada and MCP. So it was kind of nice. I uh, met, seen lots of familiar faces, lots of good people. Uh, they had their own variant of Aces High the second day for people to play. There was tons of prizes. Uh, Jean-Marc was uh, the gentleman uh, running it this year. He did a fantastic job. Uh, Timbo Slice, he was one of the judges. He did a fantastic job looking after the event. It was just, a, it was a really well put together event. It ran smoothly. It was good to see Dion again from GSP because I've been going to a lot of events this year, so I've had the opportunity to get to know him and talk to him quite a bit. So it was nice seeing that, that uh, you know, uh, we had some streaming going for the event as well. That's sick. Hey, he's such a great guy and such a valuable asset to the entire worldwide community of X-Wing. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, he. They recently made an announcement. He's stepping back from uh, podcasting because his own career is starting to take off. But uh, he says he's still, uh, as required, going around to help with the streaming and whatever locations. So, yeah, good for him though. I'm glad that things, uh, you know, even outside the game, are working out well for uh, him and his family. Absolutely, absolutely. Anything else on the community forefront there, Mister Dwight? Uh, just, uh, well, uh, by the time this airs, we'll have already probably had it, is our Brew Wizard Store Championship, which will be this Saturday coming up. We're sure to get 16 people for that and have a ticket on the line, and I got tons of other prizes, so hopefully next podcast we can do a recap of that. There is an event this Saturday coming? Yep. Brew Wizards Ooh. Store Championship. And there is 16 people? We will have 16 people. I will make an admission. We're at six already, so I, I don't think we'll have any issues getting up to the 16. I've already sent out a bunch of messages to people, so. Okay. Hmm. What date is this Saturday coming? That uh, is the 4th? I don't know if I can actually make that. That's unfortunate. I really, really want to go to that one. Hmm, I will have to think on that one just because I know that it is the nephew's birthday, so I don't know if I'll be able to. I, I, even if you can't make it to that one, I think we'll still have another one more store championship local, probably at Critical Hit in December. I gotta, I'll have to check and see. We've will been, that be a, a, uh, will that be a, a ticket event? As long as we hit the 16, we've been I've been working hard with all the other communities to kind of, you know, space out events. Because Brew Wizards and Critical Hit, we always do a tournament uh, every month. So we what we try and do is on weeks where there's weekends where there's store championships going on, we call ours the casual tournament. Uh, so other people can get the numbers for their store championships. But uh, that still being said is uh, the community understands that, uh, you know, we in Durham got a large amount of kits. So they're still like every other month, they still like the community still supports us holding a store champ in our area. So, you know, one month will be brews, uh, one month will be critical hit, and it just kind of switches back and forth. So, For sure, for sure. Well, I mean, uh, maybe we can collab together and... Uh make uh, sure that that one flies oh yeah so. for sure for sure because they do take a little bit of work you do kind of have to push some people and unfortunately unfor I mean I like to use the word encourage yeah <laughs> well what we're hitting at right now is that uh, quite a few members in our we'll call the you know the golden horseshoe here have world tickets now I think we're up to like 16 people so it's you know some people are getting have been putting in the effort of going to every tournament to try and get a ticket and some people are getting kind of tired, but, you know, if we're one or two away, you know, you can uh, you can encourage people to come out because they don't want uh, a missed opportunity to go for someone else. I wish there was some more value in the stuff being distributed. I, I, I think before when it came to ticket events, yeah, before when we, I mean, the last ticket events that I can really remember 
um, there was it was like dice and templates and stuff like that for worlds um, prior to AMG. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, like, yeah, I definitely understand that, but you know, we've had about the the community in general. We've had like, well, sixteen to twenty actual full fledged tournaments this uh, store champ season, and there's been no sh- shortage of you know at least the tos throwing in additional prizes because you're right the kids do get old but you know you have people like grx who have like the grand vault of like cardboard tokens uh cards and you know they've been busting out extra stuff anybody who goes to any of my tournaments know i always have uh great prize and above the kit so we're still throwing stuff out there to keep people interested whether it's official or not is a different story yeah, those uh, those clear plastic cards um, that you had, the spot gloss ones. Those ones were really nice. So yeah, I really like those. Just uh, it just it's a shame that the kit doesn't have um, some stuff that's like uh, you could use multiples of. Yeah. Right. That that's the only part. And uh, just like eh, for future reference, it'd be cool to have kits that you could. Or it would be good to earn extras of a certain of these things because they would be usable but you know one-off cards or one-off cards right so uh yeah i guess the trade-up for that is we'll have is we would probably have less store kits so it's like everything i think this was amg's first shoot at it right so the kits weren't the best but there was just so many of them that basically anybody who's been putting in the time and effort to go to tournaments is getting a ticket so that's like one good thing of it the drawback is is the prizes themselves you know like after my second tournament i had everything basically except for the poe dameron card which i actually have now because i won the london store champ but it wasn't official because uh, they didn't have the 16 people but like once you have all the stuff in the kit yeah it's it's uh gets kind of tiring but on the bright side we're gonna canada is gonna have deep representation at worlds this year <laughs> that'll be really sick when is worlds anyhow uh well whenever adepticon is end of march april something somewhere in there Oh, so there's still quite a bit of time, actually. Lots of time for things to change and develop before then as well. So, Oh, yeah. Here's hoping that we can get some information about uh, that scenario pack. It would be nice. When's the last time we had anything released? I can't even recall. Uh, last thing released is the bombers in the, the YT-2400. So that was, like, beginning of September. Oh yeah, right, right, right. So it wasn't too too long ago, actually. I guess. Yeah. But. And they made so. a little bit of a splash. I wouldn't say they made the meta, but you know they made a splash. You were seeing them in, you know, top eight cuts in tournaments, basically. I did try Death Rain. Death Rain was uh, Death Rain was fun. Or sorry, Deathfire, the uh, um, this standard loadout one that comes in that pack it was pretty it was okay yeah yeah i think he's a for three points i would take him over a tie fighter most oh yeah 100 percent, 100 100 percent. yeah for sure yeah so, all right yep yeah, that's the wrap-up of what's been going on sweet <laughs> deal uh well uh dwight and i were talking about uh what we want to do with the cast in the next little bit and we figured that we we honestly haven't gone into factions in a long time and i don't even think we went into factions while you've ever been with us right right dwight uh so we've been kind of talking about them a dive a bit as i've been doing my faction rotation because you know we i've been trying to get like feedback we've been talking about a few builds like that's that's the closest things we've done to a dive we you know we we did get into the empire a bit and rebels a bit when i got into them but mm-hmm. you know rebels, i mean we mostly touch on things when we get a points change too yeah that, um, but true. i don't think we've ever really spoken about it as in like let's look at the ships the lists etc etc so we're going to start a seven cast uh uh, kind of journey here together and uh, similar to Dwight's journey of uh, going through all of these factions um, it, it won't be that long uh, <laughs> well, we're going to go into some of uh, the factions and this week we're going to start off with First Order which just so happens to be uh, Dwight's current uh, iteration of what he's working on so <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, for and this is your first experience with First Order, yeah? Uh, first real experience. I have flown them before. They were the second faction I took when I first started uh, getting into the game, but like I was still learning the basics of flying. Like I never won a match with them or went uh, very far. I think I was still like dead last in all tournaments at that point. So I don't really count it because I was still learning the game. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, what what have you? You know what? Let's get structured here. Let's yeah. let's go through it. So I'm just gonna hop on over to Yasby here. Um, surprise is already open, and let's just start with some of our chassis and then we can talk a little bit about how things are fitting in lists and such like that so sure and you might have a little more knowledge in regards to what's currently being flown in tournaments just because you know i'm only newly being able to be a human again <laughs> but uh but i have a, a pretty thorough first order knowledge uh on my shoulder so um we'll get right into it so first of all we got the tie ba interceptor um, so the strengths of this ship, uh, so we have a ship that can go pretty fast, can turn on a dime. Um, it basically never gets stressed. Um, it usually functions around its red tokens of depletes and strains because its innate ability is to take a deplete or strain to uh, acquire, um, after you fully executed maneuver to either be acquiring a target lock um, sorry, take the target log action, uh, or you're going to be barrel rolling. Uh, I think just in regards to the chassis itself, uh, its strengths are double mods, that speed, that maneuverability, and the lack of becoming stressed. Uh, where its weaknesses therein lie is that it is only a two health, two shield ship. So they are pretty squishy. They are not overly cheap. So, cause you're talking about like a minimum of four point ship here. So, you know, compare that to an X-Wing, if you may. You also are getting uh, a ship that ha kind of has to choose. It, it's not like your Interceptor where it's a double repositioning ace kind of deal. Uh, you can, but you, if you're doing that, you're opting to either lose attack or lose defense, and you don't have a means to have a token while you do so. Is there any other strengths or weaknesses that you can think of of this chassis there beyond what I've just mentioned? Uh, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's either a double mod or a double reposition chassis. Uh, their abilities are kind of janky, depending on uh, which pilot you go with. Uh, but with what First Order has going for them right now, the double mod, I'd say, is the strongest uh, asset they have going for them. Yeah, it's, it's very high efficient, very First Order. So, I mean, you do have three choices with this uh, interceptor because we're not going to talk about generics. Yeah. Uh, you have Ember as a choice and Ember has been kind of like a, you know, he's a four point Adam to the list ship. I mean, the challenge is that there are some really good four point options in this uh, faction uh, and Ember doesn't always make the list, but he has an interesting ability that you can really uh, negate the ability of them to spend focus or calculate tokens to save themselves from uh, attacks. And that as long as there's somebody damaged close by or the ship it's dam is damaged itself. So that's cool. You know, some uh, high caliber players have found spots for this pilot i have found spots for with him before but he is not as common and you really kind of have to know what you're doing in regards to using him um there's hollow as well now hollow has been pretty cool uh in regards to um she can do the whole proud tradition pattern analyzer ability she gets to become like a mini defender and then handing and then hand off the uh, downside uh, to it, which is 
uh, you know, having the stress for against proud tradition or being stressed in, the, in you know, in the first point. Being able to hand off your tokens also allows you to kind of provide defense or extra, um, you know, mods for some of your other ships that might be able to be in the battle and punch harder. You could throw an evade token to, you know, say Kylo Ren in the silencer um, or anybody for that matter. And then they're kind of, you know, even harder to kill. Uh, Hollow also has the means to bring some missiles and you can easily, I, I've run her with uh, clusters as well. And you really can get some nice punchy double uh, modded uh, clusters uh, on those attacks. So, you know, a target lock for the first one, a focus for the second one and you can hand off that strain or the deplete honestly you can take the deplete you hand off the deplete and no one really gets punished uh and you're and you're just as defensible um but she's the squishiest she's just really squishy too just like ember is um i5 though pretty sick for an i5 um and now i think this is the rub though you're looking at five points for hollow or five points for vonreg and vonreg you get a loadout of 14 points it really gives you room for shield upgrade and or you could really go lean in on uh being more uh aggressive uh, you can be a little more defensive you can even put deuterium on there the good thing about this chassis is that it can already run those double mods on its own, so you're just really kind of beefing it up. And Vonrig with a shield upgrade and, a, and Deuterium power cells makes him pretty tough to kill. And his bullseye ability to give strain or deplete can be really helpful, um, especially if a ship is going to be turning around. Um, oh, another point on Hollow is that, that those 5k uh turnaround maneuvers uh for proud tradition pattern analyzer can really give you some distance and be able to get in behind things pretty decently and have lots of mods uh to still do some work behind there so i mean that's what i think about this this ship mostly runs as like a pocket ace or amongst other aces uh, you're not running this as multiples of the same ship um, predominantly I mean I've never really seen it and they can pack a punch so they're good for aggressive lists or things that want to have more of an alpha strike uh, but I, I think that's kind of the be all and end all of the uh, the tie baron interceptor what are your uh, do you have anything else to add there uh, Dwight before we move on to the next ship no, I mean, like, you're right. For five points, you're going to see Von Rig over Hollow. Ho they, but they, they also fly completely different, too. Hollow, you uh, you know, you're because of that token passing, you're basically, when it, how I see a Hollow fly is basically always in the mix of things, and it's usually trying to pass off tokens to the enemy. Like, you know, you target lock Hollow, like, first round, and then you, once uh, Hollow's diving in there, it's passing that targeting target lock uh you know your friendly target locks to enemy ships or you know you do that 5k and then uh basically you're passing off that stress to your opponent so it's really like a, a knife fighter where von rig is usually you know likes to engage at range two or three depending if it has ordinance well don't forget hollow can only pass to your friendly ships oh can it i thought it was hollow. so the trick is that they target oh, lock friendly hollow yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you say oh oh i'm so sad oh, and yeah, then you send the target lock over to another one of your friends who are not in the arc etc 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 and then the munitions they were going to fire um never get fired at all yeah so hollow is good to, in that case yeah like you said like basically you can pass the thing to double mod your opponent if you want or give them that defensive uh thing and then uh von rig you know whenever i see von rig it's usually deuterium power cells and then because he's an i6 a lot of people throw uh swarm tactics on him so he can bring up that other ship uh whatever it may be up to i6 whether it's like whirlwind or like another low initiative that uh, packs a wall up so uh i think it's crispy's fun police flies two of these but uh i in my personal experience i only ever see one of these on the table and it's always von rig 
Yeah, I mean, it's a long time since we've seen Ember or Hollow out there. Although, I think there's probably room for Hollow and Von Reg in a list. But, mm, who knows, really. I mean, you could really strap them both with Cluster Missiles and then see what happens. I mean, that's still four shots. Yeah. And at I6 and I5, so... Well, I think even Ember has its mallets. Like, you know, if I wasn't going to take Whirlwind, Ember would be uh, another one I would take because it could, you know, same thing. You could put some stuff on there. And then if you have, a, I always, with First Order, I tend to have at least one I6 with Swarm Tactics so you can get that four up to a six and then, uh, you know, go. Or even if you're attacking at Initiative Four, at least by that point, you know, you're going to have some damage in there in the ship. So uh, Ember's ability might come into effect. Oh yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, if you were procking Ember all the way to a six and then being able to shoot, I mean, the only problem is that you're maneuvering at a four, yeah. and Whirlwind really is like, oh, just look at me and I get bonuses. <laughs> where Ember's like, I kind of needed to be able to target lock and focus. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's my thoughts about it. Um. All right, well, that's that's the Ty Baron, like, and I, like I said, you, we kind of see it as like a pocket uh, piece in there. It's like one of these goes in with the rest of the stuff that you got going on. Um, why don't you hit on the, the Ty FO there? You, yeah. There's tons of them there, and uh, we haven't always seen all of them, but I think some of them are pretty viable. Yeah, some will. I'll probably just go over more briefly because they're not really played at all but uh well we'll go we'll touch through them all so uh you know start off is basically the main number one fo fighter in first order commander malarus so you know coming in here at an i5 uh basically has the drug ability to basically two rounds you're gonna have all the focuses you want and uh you know, pretty standard build is to do the cluster missile. So that's the most, that's maximum damage output. Uh, there is a few people who do like to put the mag pulse on there, but in the matches I've played where people have done that, I haven't been sold on it myself. I just like that I-5 busting out the damage. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty solid piece. Uh, it's almost, it's basically an auto include for every list if you have a three point ship in there. Uh, next, I would say on the list here is DT-798, so initiative 4, and when you perform a primary attack, if you're not strained, you may gain a strain to roll one additional die. Uh, for a TIE Fighter, having an extra die is good, but if I'm gonna... You're not gonna bring too many TIEs unless you're doing a TIE Swarm, and I'm taking Scorch before I'm taking DT, even though, you know... A strain versus a stress. Uh, I find scorch. Just I don't know. I, uh, I I don't mind being a little bit of stress when I got hard two blues and uh, can get out of dodge. So let alone four two blues, soft two blues, all the blues on these tie fighters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one here on the list is Lieutenant uh, Gaelic. I personally will never fly Gaelic, but I know a lot of people do, and this is uh, Initiative 5. After another friendly ship at 0-2 to two is destroyed, you may perform a coordinate action even while stressed. While you coordinate, the ship can only choose, uh, can perform an action only if the action's on your own action bar. I mean, yeah, I mean, plan like, if you have a 5-ship list, you're probably going to proc that at least once before he dies, but uh, I mean, you could put a cannon on him, being an I-5, and still do some damage, so that might be the one saving grace for him, but, uh, I don't know, the, the coordinate doesn't, doesn't, uh, do anything for me, but I know a few people fly him, and, uh, you know, to get that focus halfway through the game, or barrel roll might, might be a game changer. I have a hard time with uh, with my inexperience to do like uh, you know it's like crack shot you know like a one trick pony you only get to use it once it might be super good when you use it but I just I always get I have a hard time with things like that. Uh, next one up here on the list is Lieutenant Revis. 
Uh, when he was two points, you'd see Rivas out on the table, but at three point now, being an initiative one, uh, not on the table anymore. Uh, He's fallen, fallen from grace. Yeah. And the ability is like after a ship at range one to two gains a red or orange token. If you do not have that ship locked, you may acquire a lock on that ship. Sounds good, but it only has four points of uh, loadout and no ordinance. So, I mean, unless you're range one, but even then, your initiative one, before you even get a chance to shoot, you're basically dead in the water. So, bye bye, Revis. Uh, next one on here is uh, Lynn Gava, Initiative 3, and this is the one that lets you put the Prime for Speed on yourself and two other ships. So basically you're given, if you're, most likely you're doing a little swarm action here and you're giving everybody slam action. Uh, the more and more I look at this, the more and more this Lynn Gava always interests me. Mm -hmm. it being the fact that it's you can put the condition prime for speed on TIFOs and TISFs, and it allows you to add a slam, a white slam, to your action bar. Yeah. And then after you perform the slam, you must suffer one damage to remove one disarm token. Uh, I mean, the challenge is that you, ha you have to take damage when you're doing it. Mm-hmm to to do this slam feature but i really i really feel like there might be some room in there i mean the tough part is that you're damaging your ships and it's so bad yeah to damage your ships but i, I if you were like strapping this to i6s the ability to be in crazy places i mean because all the tie fighters especially because they have like they all have five straights and they all have the threes right so slamming at three because they have a lot of three sloops too and three k's um i mean the tifos don't but i mean you could do a forced a four straight into a 4k <laughs> right i mean you could do with quick draw you could do a three straight and you could do a three sloop and pattern analyzer and everything but and proud tradition before um the damage uh, before the damage hits damage hits and then you um then you get to take everything i'm pretty sure i wonder if it triggers like that after you perform a slam you must but a proud tradition and pattern analyzer proc uh well one post. of them is your action your actual action right so that's where the slam would come into play so you'd be able to do your uh what is it the one before you reveal your maneuver is that the that's the pattern analyzer right so yeah so you'd be able to at least do pattern analyzer so you could get in behind people and proc quick draws thing and have uh like a modded shot out out of nowhere like I yeah. feel like it's probably it might be pretty good, but it's so. That would take some practice, like. Oh the, yeah, but that's so you, much practice. You are right, though, with the right three ships, uh, well, two other ships, uh, it could be definitely surprising for your opponent and do some major damage, as long mm -hmm. as you're coming in from the side and you're not coming into their art because taking that damage already, that's not good yeah i mean also the ability to get on top of objectives also the ability for like i6s to be wherever they want to be um it, it, sometimes the biggest thing is like oh geez how do i get uh you know how, how do i get behind my enemy or how do i get out of that arc but get him in my arc but if you're sitting there going i can be on the other side of the board you know, may maybe, maybe there's room there. I really don't know. It's I've tried it a little tiny bit, but not enough. It it seems like it could be so good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It I think it works well in those uh, first order lists where you're going heavy on your first, you know, three rounds of engagement, like you know, an alpha strike, and uh, you know, then you see what happens after that. <laughs> 
All right, our next one is another basically unseen pilot. We have Longshot, the initiative three that gets the extra primary attack die at range three. Uh, eight points of loadout. It's just talent tech, tech and mod. I don't see him on the board. I don't think that being an I3, I want like some sniper with a three dice attack because your opponent's still getting their uh, extra defensive die. And, you know, if you're shooting through an obstacle, uh, like I just, I don't see any viability for long shot really here. I mean, well, here's what I think about a long shot. I3 is the only sucky part about it. But you get, for, uh, for DT and Scorch, they take a strain and a stress, right? So you can literally do the old school shield upgrade on him mm -hmm. and make him a three hull two shield tie fighter that rolls three dice at range three and rolls three dice at range one yeah i mean it's not the best thing in the world but i don't think like i, I think there could be an argument to remove gaelic for example and add long shot and, and if you do dt scorch long shot you know now you have three uh the ties for uh, you have three ties at nine points that can all throw three dice true i think i'd probably go all in on long shot though and probably do the trick shot and just try and you know if you're shooting at range three half the time you're going to be shooting through something and try and go for that four dice attack maybe i don't know yeah, I mean, I think that he's not the greatest, but I mean, if you're looking to fill out a bunch of ties, I think yes. he's also not that bad in the idea that you're rolling three dice. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. I haven't really gone into, like, what you'd call a mini tie or a tie swarm yet for First Order, so uh, I guess that would definitely be one to consider. The I3, yeah, but if you're shooting from a distance, maybe it's not so bad. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of your engagements at, at some points are going to be at a distance too, right? Yeah. Like, I think, so Malorus is pretty much the auto-include. Uh, either Scorch or DT, depending on your preference. One of those would be your probably your next auto-include if you're going to do a tie. And then this other one is uh, that I'm going to hit. Midnight is basically the next one that you always see in here. Midnight is next to Malaris on uh, Pattern Analyzer uh, app that does all the stats is the second most flowing TIE fighter for First Order. He is initiative six, and basically if he has you target locked while attacking and defending, uh, dice cannot be modified. So he is, uh, his most popular upgrade is usually Swarm Tactics because he, uh, he'll usually work with someone like Lieutenant LaHughes and Midnight will do his first little shot and the opponent won't mod and then LaHughes and the special forces there will come up and use that target lock to do uh, their attack at I-6. So that's a pretty popular combo we always see. So uh, the ability sound, uh, it's only two dice attack and that... Uh, you know, Swarm Tactics takes up most of your loadouts. So there's not too much else you're going to be uh, doing after that. But uh, there's few options. You do have two points. You could do like a Fanatical or something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a good ship. I-6, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, next one here we have is Muse. Muses initiative two. At the start of engagement, you may choose one friendly ship at zero to one. If you do, the ship removes one stress token. Uh, not a terrible ability, but initiative two. Never seen Muse on the table ever. I don't. I like. I don't think at initiative two, I'd play him just because of that. Yeah, it's a long, long time since he's been anywhere. He usually you used to walk beside Upsilons. Mm -hmm. and things so that he they would like they would make a full stop they would pattern analyzer he would remove the stress and then the epsilon would stay there yeah with an action and then be able to just continue doing epsilon things <laughs> it used to be like stuff like that but you know that's not even here or there really anymore especially because of objective play sitting in one spot doesn't make any sense anymore 
Um, our next one is Null. Another one I've never seen on the table. The card initiative is zero, but the way the ability works is as long as you're not damaged, you treat your initiative as seven. Five points to load out. No ordinance, no cannons. Uh, sounds nifty, but you like second round, you're going to have damage on you. At least one hit's going to go on you, and you're going to be at initiative zero. And then you're probably dying the next round after that. Maybe. Or you're an initiative seven, being a little AC TIE fighter, flying around, going wherever you want to be. I mean, I really think that First Order would love an I-2. Everything is three points. Sorry, not I-2. I really wish... Uh, I think First Order really needs an, uh, a two-point ship. Um... Or it would like it. I don't know if it needs it, but it would like a two-point ship because it's so many things. If you add up all your threes, right, you go to 18 points, mm-hmm. right? So then you're sitting at 18 points with nothing to do. So it's like you have to swap three-pointers to make room for a four-pointer or you make room for a five-pointer, right? So you can do five threes and then you can do a five-pointer or you can do you know four threes and two four pointers like because we don't have a, a two pointer you have to do that game where uh we can only bring so many threes and the, and all the threes have to be the best threes yeah which is why the some of the top fighters don't get played i think oh yeah and you're 100 percent correct on that and like some of the it's not that they're bad it's just priced compared to uh, like how many ties you're most likely gonna take that that's where it all really comes into play um our next one is static static is an initiative four uh, his ability's kind of janky i've never actually i've seen static play but i've never seen the ability go so while you perform a primary attack you may spend your lock on the defender and a focus token to change all of your results to crits uh, it does have eight points so uh, this might be the case where you want the pattern analyzer proud tradition because that's probably the only way you're going to make that ability kind of trigger initiative four yeah i mean there's potential i I mean if uh you were able to get into range one and you know round three or four in the game those crits are really gonna knock through to your uh, opponent because yeah but even at the end of the day you're still just a tie fighter throwing two to three dice yeah uh but you got to think too that that's automatically change uh your results to crits results so even if you roll blanks right yep yeah it would change all of its crits you just gotta spend two tokens to do it yeah Yeah. so even with pa and uh, pattern analyzing proud tradition you're still only able to do that every other turn at best yeah at i4 you're probably just dead yeah yeah all right Uh, next is well the last one here is TN3465 initiative 2 while another friendly ship performs an attack if you're at range 0 to 1 of the defender you may suffer a crit damage to change one of the attack results to a crit result yeah so your initiative 2 chances are you're going to die pretty quick anyway uh, and your whole goal is to take damage. So, uh, yeah. So I've, of course, I've never seen this on the table. Uh, there could be a certain scenario where maybe that's viable, but in all honesty, I see that ship dying pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, usually what ends up happening is that you send this guy right into the fray, and because. He, the, so the way he works is that um, because things don't get removed until the end of the uh, the initiative phase that you're on. So yes. you can actually continually put zombie death onto this guy. Yeah, that right? is true. That right. Is so, true. And so that's the trick. All right. So you put you like, oh, he's already dead. So he doesn't mind getting five more crits. And then you pump up all of the damage that you're about to do from your other stuff um the hope is that you have lots of other stuff 
but you know double tapping quick draw and a few other different options there um you know so tn suffering a damage and change one of the attackers results to a crit result you're changing a blank to a crit you know you, you can throw tn into the fray and then just be like okay well crit 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 and then you know hope that you really pump it out especially if you're doing like cluster missiles too oh yeah right perform because it's just performs an attack right so you can do tn take another damage oh one of my cluster missile attacks is now a crit on it beyond the mods i already spent and let's do another shot oh okay tn good job take another damage hey that other like you can really pump it um also we'll see later but the i used to have a janky list where you take uh the xi shuttle that gives elicits out and then you put the illicit dead man switch on tn hmm. and then you fly tn into the fray and then not only will tn explode and do extra damage to everyone Tien doesn't. You can make it so that Tien explodes when you want Tien to explode, while you dish out all these extra bonus crits. Oh wow! See, I guess I that's because I guess the ability has never been a factor. I've always seen people kind of remove their ships right away from the board, but I guess you're right. If it's not until your initiative, that definitely makes it a little bit more viable. Now, mind you, yes, it it is nice to. I guess it just says one of the attacker results to a crit, so you can change blank. So that. As much as I don't like uh, having a ship in there as a sacrificial lander, that could be quite spicy if uh, your opponent has a, you know, has some ships kind of swarmed in there, and you can just kind of dive in there for free mods, basically. Hmm, that's curious. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's right. I mean, it's kind of like ruthless, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, well, I can just do a damage to my thing, and like, but TN is just like super ruthless because yeah. it's everything is crits yeah that's interesting so that's basically all of our first order ties uh it's actually getting kind of late for me here so uh i don't think we'll be able to do all of them this podcast but uh how i wouldn't mind uh, uh before we go here is basically so you kind of mentioned it you take six ties that's 18 points uh there's no room for anything else so basically you're either taking one or two of those ties and turning them into something else so that basically either gives you four or five ties that uh, you know you have the potential of taking so what four or five ties uh, how are you rating the ones that we've gone through Andrew so what four or five would you be taking I, it's it's always DD DD Scorch Malaris uh, Midnight and then if you've got room for the fifth uh, you can mess around with Gaelic uh, honestly that's really the only if you're looking for five ties that those are probably your five if you're looking for four ties um, then you probably have more room uh, and with the uh, five ties you throw Kylo in there. And with the four ties, you probably do, you know, you could do, you can do more like your tie SFs and stuff like that. So you can do, I mean, Von Rigg's also there. I mean, it's really just how many AC things or damaging things you want to put in. I mean, we can quickly skim over here. We don't even have to go into pilots. Is that we got the bombers there, and the bombers are just basically there for objective play because they're very maneuverable. And the bom uh, the bombing aspect to add some of that control aspect in, the SFs are your tankier ship that's really looking to dish out um, your damage, and uh, they're not meant to stick around forever. Similar to most X wings, uh, the silencer is like your premium ch uh, chassis, but it comes for a premium pr price. Um, if you pay the big wombo combo of seven points for Kylo. Um, but he doesn't, again, it's that two, uh, the, everything's three points and there's nothing two points. So things don't really fit very well sometimes with that. Um, and then you got the whispers, which are your jamming kind of control pieces. Uh, and they have, you know, Kylo in there as well at the I uh, at five points, which is such a steal. And then the Zai class shuttle, which is if you run, want to run like a supportive kind of 
control janky kind of list but the the Zion class shuttle there hasn't been as many kicking around so honestly it's you're probably more often seeing like uh three four ties and a smattering of high efficient um pilots from the other chassis and that's kind of first order because it leans in on being more efficient than other uh factions just overall being more efficient and your chassis are just trying to quite often dish out more damage before you can be hit back yeah um, it's a damage race with faction that's what i've tend to notice because i've been struggling uh with force first order since i switched up and i've been trying a varying of like flying tactics more ace flying like trying to maneuver more around the board not just uh straight up joust and uh I don't know. Yeah, they they can burn really quickly, but they're they're very uh, they can be very good utility pieces when need be. But yeah, I do find like once I do start an engagement uh, fit, uh, with an opponent, it's like it's just a damage race to see who can burn off who the the quickest. And uh, with first order, that they can be if you're not careful, they can be the ones that uh, go out first. <laughs> Yeah, especially because we don't we lean in on our three green dice and we don't necessarily always lean in on our big hull and shield and because honestly none of our ships really have it. Mm -hmm. um, hashtag give us our upsilon back <laughs> uh, at a at a good price value too because that would be awesome if we had the upsilon back for first order because that would just be that would be great. That, that's exactly what we need. So, mm -hmm. um, well. Uh, I think we'll just sign it out there, uh, Dwight, for the, the night, and we'll move on to our next factions in the future. All right. Sounds good. Sweet deal. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're always rooting for you. And uh, if all else fails, uh, just roll daddies. Bye.